Hello, and welcome to Labors in the Harvest with Kevin Folger. This podcast is a weekly conversation about the gospel and the work that God is doing through those who labor for him. Kevin Folger, your host, is a man with over four decades of ministry experience. For 41 years, he served on the pastoral staff of Cleveland Baptist Church in Cleveland, Ohio. He currently serves as the North America Director of Spiritual Leadership Asia, a ministry that assists those endeavoring to preach the gospel and plant Baptist churches in the 1040 window with a particular focus on Asia. Now here's Kevin with this week's Labors in the Harvest podcast. Kevin Folger, and this is Labors in the Harvest podcast, and we're so glad that you joined us today. So whether you are a first-time listener or you're a long-time listener, we sure are grateful for the fact that you've been uh, uh, joining us today for this this month's conversation. Uh, my travels uh, this uh, this uh, for this particular podcast have me in Jacksonville, Florida, and I've been here this week uh, doing a missions conference for Pastor Jesse Lada at the Victory Baptist Church. And uh, of course, one of the things that happens at missions conferences is that I get the opportunity to meet folks that I've had not had the opportunity to get acquainted with in the past. And so this week, some missionaries have come across my path that are with me uh, as we're sitting down together and we're just having a conversation. And so I thought that we'd bring uh, you into that conversation today. And so my guest for this month's Labors in the Har- Harvest podcast are uh, Brother Jordan Nickel, who's a missionary to Thailand, and Brother Stephen Kim, who's a missionary to uh, Mexico. And so we're glad to have them uh, with us. And Brother Nickel, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, sir. Appreciate Uh, it. And Brother Kim, thank you so much as well for uh, joining us for this podcast. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. All right. We're going to jump into it because uh, clearly um, our our guests want to hear more than just chit-chat. They want to hear a little bit about our lives. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. So, Brother Nickel, if you just take a few moments and just uh, give us just a little bit of the background of your life, where you're born, where you're raised, and and where you're currently living. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I was uh, born in uh, Trenton, Missouri, which is just about an hour south of uh, Iowa. And Iowa is where I claim home. Uh, grew up there and uh, lived most of my life there and just enjoyed living in the small town of uh, Iowa there and it was blessed to be uh, raised in a Christian home and in a good uh, Bible preaching church and uh, right now um, just basically uh, call home a minivan and so just <laughs> traveling around uh, the country uh, raising support but uh, just have a beautiful family right now God's blessed me with a beautiful wife uh, Katrina, and we have two amazing boys and a little girl on the way. So God's blessed us. All right. Well, we'll talk a little bit more about maybe your courtship and your marriage here in just a little bit. <laughs> Brother Kim, you're a little bit unusual in the sense I want our folks to know that um, you are a missionary to Mexico, but uh, you are by national or by by birth uh, born in the in Korea, South Korea, correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. So talk to our, our folks a little bit about your background and and uh, you know how. How a guy born in Korea ends up in Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> sure, yes, sir. So uh, as you mentioned, I was born in Korea. And um, when I was eight, my parents uh, received a call to be missionaries in Mexico. And so, of course, since 1992, uh, my family and I have been you know, living in Mexico. And, um, and so th- the Lord worked in, in, in different ways as he does with everybody else. But uh, in 2003... Uh, the Lord put a burden in my heart to uh, serve Him in full-time ministry, and so I ended up going to West Coast Baptist College, 
and uh, after that I served um, on, in, in, in a Korean church and um, we were able to start a Spanish ministry and in 2015 uh, the Lord put a burden uh, in my heart, my heart to go back to Mexico and so Okay. In short, that's how it happened. Well, that's uh, it's a pretty amazing story because uh, you know you are fluent uh, and speak Spanish excellently. Would you say? Uh, uh, yes, sir. Yeah. My wife calls me Mexican. So, uh, <laughs> you don't look Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> no, sir. And uh, and Spanish is my first language. Okay. Mm-hmm. So so that's quite a, a, an unusual testimony, mm-hmm. but certainly appreciated. And uh, so to tell us a little bit about your wife and your children. Okay. Yes, sir. So uh, my wife, um, she's also Korean, um, you know, straight from Korea. Uh, I met her at West Coast and she knew nothing about Spanish. She had a heart for missions. Her father uh, pastor now for 43 years in the same ministry. So blessed with that spiritual heritage. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she came with a burden uh, with, uh, for missions. And when she came to West Coast, uh, of course, my pastor and her dad were close friends and um, very unusual now that I think about it, but my pastor called me and, and asked me if I could help her to, um, you know, to get, um, you know, settle down. But it's unusual because now that I think about it, why would, why would my pastor ask a guy to help a girl, right? But I think there was some, uh, but anyhow, so, um, so uh, we've been married for 13 years and God gave us two precious daughters. They're, they're uh, 12 and 9 years old. So I think you told me that your family was, uh, your dad and your, your, your mom and your family was sent out of the ministry of Brother Daniel Kim. Is that correct? Yes, sir. So, That's correct. All right. Well, many of our folks may be familiar with Brother Daniel Kim. And, of course, Brother Paul Chapel speaks very highly of Brother Kim uh, as his family, Brother Chapel's family, were missionaries to Korea for a number of years as Brother Chapel was in his teenage life. And, and uh, Brother Kim is a very, very dear friend. So talk a little bit about Brother Kim because he's a he's a kind of kind of legendary almost in, in Korea. Is that correct? Uh, yes, sir. I mean, he God used him in in, in a great way. And um, the Pastor Kim that I remember, I mean, really is is a lot more simple. I mean, he's a very humble man. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a great man. But I remember, um, I remember him. I, I mean, the meals that we would have and the counsel uh, the counsel that we would receive. And to me, he's really like a like a grandpa, <laughs> grandpa, grandpa. Well, I want our, our listeners to know. I was with, um, uh, I was in 2016. I was at the Spiritual Leadership Conference in Asia, Manila, and we were flying back. And part of what we were doing was we were stopping. We we're going to stop in Seoul, and Brother Chapel wanted us to see some things of, of there in in Korea, uh, from his his uh, his life. And we arrived, we had left um, Manila like at 11 o'clock, so we arrived in Seoul about 4 o'clock in the morning, and I was overwhelmed by the fact that at 4 o'clock in the morning, Brother Daniel Kim was on at the airport uh, with uh, several of his staff members with a bus waiting to pick us up. I mean, he's just such a, you know, and he's, I'm guessing he's probably 15, 20 years older than I am, and yet he was so humble and so so kind, and his right. his uh, his demeanor was just amazing. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I mean of of course because I left uh, when I was eight mm-hmm. in Korea, um, you know I, I didn't really get to know him as much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But whenever I would see him uh, back home or on West Coast, he yeah. would be uh, just so caring, yeah. um, just so loving, and so that's yeah. really what I remember from him. Am I correct when I say this that um, brother? Kim was led to Christ by Brother Jack Baskin. Yes, sir. Yeah. So Brother Baskin uh, is still living, and um, 
he, is, um, he was an American missionary that came to, to Korea, and God used him to win Brother uh, Kim to Christ. Now, Brother Kim is not related to you. No, sir. <laughs> so would would it be fair to say that in Korea, the name Kim is like Smith and Jones in the United States? Absolutely. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> All right. Very good. Well, let's move on a little bit. And uh, so, uh, Brother Kim, I'm going to ask you about your field. You, you mentioned you're in Mexico. So tell the folks exactly where you're located there in Mexico. Yes, you? sir. Yes, sir. The field that the Lord has called us to is Mexico City. And specifically for those that you know, uh, those of you that know, it's in the uh, southwest side of Mexico City. Okay. So uh, people he hear the term Mexico City, but the, the size of it is overwhelming. It's like 25 million people. Is that correct? Right. Yes, sir. So about 25 to 27 million people. Yeah. yeah. And it's very densely populated. Right. Yes, sir. According to Google, the uh, population density is about 16,000 people per square mile. That's amazing. It's just absolutely incredible. Well, Brother Nickel, if you would uh, just share with our folks, uh, uh, you know, you mentioned, uh, I think I mentioned that you're called to Thailand. Yes, sir. And But right now you're at home. When I say at home, you're here in the United States. And uh, have you had the opportunity to take a survey trip yet to Thailand? Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. My wife and I were able to uh, take a, a trip last this last March mm -hmm. uh, for a few weeks. And we were able to uh, visit a few different areas of Thailand. Um, we've started in Bangkok and um, just a, a monstrous city there with mm -hmm. millions of people and then worked our way up into the northeastern, uh, more country and rural uh, life and then uh, finished our trip in Cha'am um, and just was able to visit with a, a few mis different missionaries there and see their works and just, just was wonderful to see uh, what God is doing there but also just uh, have that burden uh, increased. So as you uh, had the opportunity to take that survey trip, has the Lord kind of confirmed a particular area that you feel like He wants you to focus on? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We believe that God would have us once we get over there and begin um, to begin in Cha'am. Okay. Um, Is that a major city, Cha'am? It's a city of about 60,000 people. Okay. Um, there's never been a church started in that city um, until this last fall. Um, missionary couple that's over there we'll be working with uh, began a church there last fall, and and uh, it's just beautiful to see what God's doing with them and okay. their church there. So. Well, for our, for our listeners, just so that in case they're unfamiliar, the primary religion in uh, Thailand would be Buddhism. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. And so, what kind of re uh, resistance is there to the gospel among the Buddhist people? So, with the Buddhist people and Thai Buddhist uh, specifically, um, because there's different groupings of Buddhism and different opposition with those uh, groupings, but with the Thai Buddhist, um, they are interested. Um, they would they would discuss with us our religion, our, our Christianity. They would discuss uh, and listen to us about Jesus, about God. Um, but the opposition would be more so of just a confusion, mm -hmm. um, not so much um, a resistance or an opposition to what we're saying, but just confusion of wanting to take what we're saying and just add it to whatever they're already worshiping and believing. And, right. and to them, the idea of there being one supreme God and there being no other gods and just one, one way to heaven um, is completely different than from anything they've ever been told. In my pastorate in Cleveland, we, um, we had a family that um, uh, were born in, uh, the heritage really is from Guyana, South, South America. Mm. And so the, the, there's some, some Buddhism in the family. And 
So the man in our church, his brother lived in the area and he had not converted to Christ and not accepted Christ as a savior and had a little three-year-old boy who died mm. and uh, they were wrapped up in Buddhism. And I still remember going to that funeral. It's the saddest thing I've ever been part of my life as the, the Buddhist yes. monk sat down and of course he's waving all kinds of incense over the body. And basically he said he was releasing the spirit of this child to swim in the ocean of all the spirits until he found another body to inhabit. And with no real hope of ever seeing that child again or, or anything like that. So it's really sad, really, what false religion does. And yes. certainly the need for the gospel to permeate a culture and to, to bring light to darkness is so very important. Yes, sir. So, very good. So um, that's your field. How, what did God, how did God work in your life to call you to, to Thailand to be a missionary? Yes, sir. Well, uh, Thailand was nowhere in my plans, nowhere in my playbook as far as what I thought my life was going to be, what God was going to use me. Um, I grew up in Iowa, as I said, and I still do, but I had a strong burden for the people there in Iowa. Um, I wanted to pastor there. Mm -hmm. I wanted to maybe even start a church there. Mm -hmm. um, there's not very many uh, churches in Iowa and uh, just wanted to uh, do that. And so I was praying that God would open that door. Um, even before I got married, that's what I had a burden uh, to do and uh, my wife and I got married and uh, she knew that that was my burden she knew that that's what I was praying for and uh, even before we got married she knew I was called to preach and she had asked me what do you think God is going to use you and what do you think he's gonna and I shared with her what I what my burden was and what I was praying for but I also said you know I could see maybe evangelism maybe uh, youth work maybe this maybe that but I remember telling her uh, but I definitely don't feel missions. I don't feel like missions <laughs> is uh, is in is in the call. And then in 2016, uh, not quite a year into our marriage, uh, we had a missionary going to Thailand come to our church there in Iowa, and uh, he shared the need of the gospel there and the lack of the churches there. And our church is missions minded. Um, I grew up seeing and hearing from missionaries my whole life, and um, I think it's good when a missionary comes and goes that you have that burden, that burden sticks with you and you, you, you feel for those people and those missionaries going. And so I've, I've had that, I've experienced that, but there was something different with Thailand. Um, the missionary went on his way and days, months later, I just could not get the people of Thailand off of my mind. Mm. And I would be at work, I'd be at home I'd be out doing different things and one I would have Thailand on my mind constantly just my mind would continue to revert to those people but then also it seemed like Thailand was everywhere mm -hmm. um, Thailand was in someone's conversation that I overheard someone Thailand was on the radio and talk radio as I was driving down the road and I began to realize there was something going on but I also knew this isn't enough for me to pack up my family and say God's calling us to Thailand let's go um, one, I didn't feel like that was that was wise, but two, that's also not what I wanted to do. Um, initially, once I began to realize God was calling us to Thailand, um, I fought against it. Mm -hmm. uh, this wasn't what I wanted. This wasn't what I had planned. And I began to fight God on it and say, God, you know, why are you calling this guy from a small town, Iowa, to this city of 70 you know, million people? It doesn't make sense. But God began to show me that that's, that's exactly what he wanted my family and I to do. Mm. And uh, God blessed me with a 
wonderful wife that was willing to go. She was saved as a result of missionaries in Italy. Mm. And so she's got a heart for missions. And uh, when I shared it with her, she was she was willing and ready and uh, just wonderful to, to have her with me on this. But God, God broke our hearts for the people of Thailand. And uh, we've been we've been excited about it ever since. Yeah, that's exciting, brother Kim. Would you just kind of share a little bit about your calling? Again, you went as a missionary as a child uh, right. to Mexico, learned the language, and then went to West Coast. Um, when you went to West Coast, did you feel that at that point that you were going to go back to Korea? To Korea? Oh, I'm sorry, back to uh, back to Mexico. Um, back in West Coast. At beginning, no. Uh, in, in the beginning, no. But what happened was uh, at West Coast, of course, we have to uh, be involved in the ministry, and I started. I started in the maintenance where everybody starts. But um, the Spanish ministry pastor, uh, Pastor Navarrete, he uh, he pulled me over, um, and the uh, and he gave me an opportunity to work with the Spanish people, mm-hmm. and that's I would say the first time where God started to work in my heart. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, sir. So. How did then the call to to go as a, a missionary to back to Mexico? How did that how did that develop? Um, so there were so it really was a long process. I'm not that old, but um, <laughs> it, it has been a long process. Uh, so uh, I'll start I'll start with this. Uh, so one of the uh, the projects that I helped with in, in Lancaster was actually the translation mm-hmm. ministry, and um, the first I, I guess. Um, yeah, the first little something that touched my heart was um, when I was part of the translation of the book To Seek and to Save in Spanish. Mm-hmm. And I think about two years later, uh, Pastor Chapel went to Salvador. And, you know, he when he, and he came back and he had a, a like a report video and he showed the display. And I noticed he had a lot of books, but uh, he had a lot of material. But when it came to books, he only had that one and a discipleship book. And so that in was really, Spanish. yes, sir, in yeah. Spanish. Mm-hmm. So I, I, so I started thinking, like, why, why aren't, isn't there much material? So I started with that, and of course, um, you know, because I grew up in Mexico, that was already in the back, always in the back of my mind. You know, does God want something from me? Or, I mean, not from me, but you know, is this something part of God's plan? And um, so with that, uh, because of my language skills, and I felt most comfortable in the Spanish ministry. Um, so I, I was serving the Spanish ministry, and uh, but now to your question, in 2015, my father is the one who actually asked me, you know, would you pray? Because um, I don't know. I think it was my. I think my dad was being a bit dramatic. He said, I think my time is, is coming to an end, and you know, we need more people here in Mexico. Would you pray? And so we did. And the um, of course, I already had a heart for the Spanish people, but I was convinced there's enough Spanish people in LA. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happened was after about three months praying, I attended to a missions conference and um, it was during a preaching uh, message, uh, Pastor Lancaster, he preached on the, math, uh, on the Great Commission, Matthew 28. Um, I don't know what he preached on, but God really grabbed a hold of my heart and he confirmed. So it, with, with, uh, with the, the last verse where it says, and, um, and Lord, I'm with you always, and I couldn't, so that verse just popped out, and it was as if God was telling me, you know, I want you to go not because you know the language, you know the culture, not because your parents are there, but because I'm going to go with you. Amen. So it was with that confirmation that, that I surrendered to go to, me- yeah. to Mexico to be a missionary. Yeah, that's wonderful. Uh, so as we think about 
that calling, and um, both of you are, you know, um, what we call missionaries that are kind of doing deputation. Brother Kim, you're just a little bit different because you're already living on the field. Something happened. You went there um, with very little support because you thought things would be a little different. You'd be working under an established ministry, but then the Lord redirected your path, and now you're going to be planting a church. So talk just a little bit about that calling, if you would, and how God worked on that, that, that aspect. Yes, sir. So 2019, uh, my family and I moved to Mexico with the thought, and of course, all under counseling, all under the, the agreement with my parents, my pastor, that, um, that and, and we thought God wanted us to work with my parents in an established church and also at the Bible College, mm -hmm. and our funds would come from there. But COVID happened, 2020. <laughs> so something very interesting happened and something that I didn't know before. Uh, for six months, so we were still moved, living with our parents because we just we just got there. And the uh, we, um, so COVID happened after six months, we left. Uh, we, we arrived at the field. Um, so for six months, I didn't touch a dime of, the, of money like because, you know, and it felt good because, you know, my mom was feeding me once again <laughs> and all of that. Um, and as I was doing that, I was reading Jeremiah and this thought came to my uh, uh, to mind as I was reading Jeremiah. In Jeremiah's time, money was meaningless because they were going to become slaves. And so that just thought started started to come to my mind and I became afraid. And, and I realized um, so and I realized, first, first of all, um, that I had a that had a problem of, of love of money that I couldn't uh, take out you know step out uh, by faith um, and so God dealt with me about that to begin with and after I fought about that for about uh, three three weeks about a month um, uh, the Lord started uh, putting a burden on my heart about um, about uh, the fact that inside Mexico City there aren't enough you know there, there isn't enough work and my father he is a church planner also so uh, kind of didn't make sense for me to to, to take over but um, but that's besides the point uh, so this so the Lord started to work uh, started working in my heart about I was starting a new ministry uh, in in a particular area which is a southwest um, southwest area of Mexico City and um, that's like the um, I don't know the black hole of Mexico City where not many people go there, and so, um, so, so that's what that's how God started working. And again, we you know we, we ended up spending about five months in prayer uh, and also in counseling. And this time it was my pastor who just out of the blue, I think it's Philippians two thirteen. Yeah, he he mentioned you know I believe this is from God. Why don't you pray about it? Because if it's from God, if He's giving you the desire, He's going to enable it. That's right. And so um, it is with that that I said I believe it is mm -hmm. uh, because. My father's passion is that a national would come and take over, mm -hmm. um, and so, so uh, I, I could say a lot, but yes, sir. In short, that's that's how God worked. And as a result of that, now you're coming back and forth between uh, Mexico and the United States uh, when you have opportunities to present yes, the ministry to raise support. So just so that our, our listeners are aware of that, brother Nicole, would you uh, kind of share with our folks where you are? You've how long you've been on uh, the deputation, so to speak, trail? Sure. Yes, sir. <laughs> We started uh, about a little over a year ago, uh, mm -hmm. part-time, uh, while I was still living and working in Iowa, and uh, did some meetings uh, there in, in the area there and nearby uh, states there. And then uh, God began to really bless and uh, fill our schedule up uh, fast at the beginning of this year. 
and we were looking again at early March of this year to take our survey trip uh, to Thailand and then so that compounded with um, meetings that were too far away um, to meet, meet and then be back Monday morning in Iowa for work mm-hmm. um, we decided to go out on faith in February of this year full-time and uh, God has just been blessing us uh, so well with uh, just providing for us um, and bringing us across wonderful churches, uh, wonderful uh, people and pastors over the last few months. And it's just, it's been a blessing. Well, it's, it's wonderful. So uh, you are, you're in your support. What percentage wise, where would you say you are level wise? Yes, sir. We are, we're officially at 42%. 42%. Yes, so that means you got another 68 to go. Yes. Or thir- uh, 58 to go. 50, yeah, 50, yes. 58 to go. My math skills sometimes are a little <laughs> lacking, so 58%. So you're, you're almost at the 50% mark, and so, uh, and it's, uh, you know, and you've only been doing this full-time for how long? Since January? February. February, so that's yeah, right. so that's, 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 that's wonderful. So, um, you know, I want to ask both of you about some of the challenges that you're facing uh, as missionaries that are, you know, out on the, out raising support. Um, certainly we know where God leads, God provides, and where God guides, he, he, he does provide for us. And you've already given testimony, you're seeing God do some things, but there's got to be some challenges. And I would think some of the challenges of, of being a husband, uh, you know, and not, so you don't have really a, a home to go home to. So it's, you're, you're, you're homeless. Right. <laughs> so, right. Would it be fair to say you're homeless? <laughs> so you yes. said your home's a minivan, which isn't, you know, real, real encouraging, but uh, there's got to be some challenges that are involved in, in some of those things. So, you know, let's be realistic. What, what do sure. you, as a missionary on the, uh, without, uh, you know, at this point uh, that doesn't have a home to go back to, what, what are some of the challenges that you and your wife face? Yes, sir. Well, um, you know, for me, you know, I, I'm a, I, I look at it as, you know, we have a goal, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're trying to meet that goal. Mm-hmm. And as a husband, I have to be sensitive mm-hmm. uh, to my wife's needs, to my children's sure. needs. Um, you know, I, I would love a home to be mm-hmm. able to go home to, but I can also, you know, adapt. Mm-hmm. Um, but my family, it, it, it is a little bit harder. And so um, just trying to be sensitive to that. Um, you know, my wife, when she married me, uh, she thought Iowa was going to be home. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we were renting a place, um, but we thought even that was going to be home through at least the first half of the deputation process. Mm-hmm. And we flew into South Korea on our way to Thailand. And uh, while we were in South Korea waiting for our flight into Thailand, we learned that our uh, landlord had sold our house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so um, when we got back from our survey trip, we had two weeks to move out. Wow. And that was not something that we saw coming at all. Um, it was something that we really had to trust God for. And um, just throughout the next those next couple of weeks, but then even from there on, um, finding out that, you know, minivan is going to be home for a little bit. And so um, God has blessed us with some uh, of, of my family, her family, that we've been able to stay with and, yeah. and use as a home base, which has been a blessing. Um, but uh, we, you know, we have faced, I would say that has been our biggest challenge is um, finding a place that we can, that we can call home. We had a, um, we had a situation uh, in the beginning of summer um, 
where you know we had a good home base um and something came up and it just it didn't work out there either mm-hmm. and it just it seemed like we were losing our home all over again yeah and so um you know for me that has been trying as far as feeling like you know i'm i'm supposed to take care of my family right i'm supposed to provide and yes we're 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 going out on faith we're we're raising support and 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 trusting in christ to you know support us and churches to support us but also i'm i'm supposed to you know provide for my family and so when we get in those moments it is trying for me but also like i said for my family it's it's i think it's more so but um god again has just you know blessed us with some good home bases yeah and uh but we're it had it had it has had its trials you know i said when i was pastoring in, in cleveland and um we had been able to purchase some adjacent property to our church and uh, we had um, well actually purchased a total of four homes and of course that when we were um, in a situation where we were in debt the, the income from the rental of those homes mm-hmm. was kind of crucial to what we were trying to accomplish yeah. we finally got to the point where we paid off everything but we had a dream of taking two of those homes and turning them into mission homes because we have a number of families out of our church on the mission field and I watched as they would come home from the mission field and not have a place to land, mm-hmm. and live in you know land in somebody's you know um, couple of bedrooms or maybe a basement someplace or whatever. And I thought, man, if we could just somehow get a couple of these homes furnished and really done really nice, so that when they come home, all they have to do, they come home, the the, the cupboards are the refrigerator's full, the cupboards are full. All they have to do is hang up their clothes and mm-hmm. you know have a place to live for for a year while they're on deputation or or furlough, whatever the case may be. I know not every ministry can do that, sure. but how important is that to a to a family? You know that it gives them some stability. Specifically, you know, you guys are kind of in transition at this point, so yes. it would be so wonderful if you know God would somehow make that available. But then, even when you come back from the field, you know, you you can't don't have the resources to necessarily always just go rent a place or be, uh, depending on what's going on. But that's, yes, that sir. is a realistic challenge, right, for a missionary that's uh, on the deputation is trying to, you know, um, deal with, uh, you know, and of course home is, um, you know, we're sitting right now, we're recording in, a, <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a, my hotel room, and uh, this would not be what I would call home, but it has to become home, right? It has sure. to become when, when you're on the road like that. Brother Kim, what are some of the challenges that you face? Um, obviously, you're a little different in the sense that, um, you know, you have a home in Mexico where your family is, but your challenges are a little different in that you have to come and go, right? Is that what you would say? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. So just speak to a little bit of, you know, it, because you, you're a distance away from the United States, uh, it's not like you can just hop in the car and say, well, I'm going to take a trip up to, to, to the border and, and go visit some churches. Or does that work sometimes that way? Well, uh, in that regard, uh, oh, no, it doesn't work. <laughs> it's about uh, 30 to 40 hours drive. Um, 30 to, to 40 the, hours? To get to, to the border. Wow. Yes, yeah. Well, I mean, not the Texas, but California yeah, border. Yeah, uh-huh. um, in that regard, it's it hasn't been that hard. Mm-hmm. Um, like financially, like I, I explained to the pastors, um, the most expensive thing is probably the, the flight tickets, mm-hmm. but not always, but for some missionaries, flying ticket uh, is sometimes cheaper than than if you know than, than having to pay hotel Monday through mm-hmm. through Friday and right. having to feed the family. Right. Hardest thing has been probably the misunderstanding with the pastors mm-hmm. to try to explain to them where we're in the field, 
and you know we're gonna fly up so mm-hmm. from the question is why are you flying up you know mm-hmm. and also why are you running the field without the support mm-hmm. um, so those are some of the things but um, but because of my situation uh, it's been uh, it, this is our third year mm-hmm. so uh, the biggest struggle I would say is the first years as a missionary life in the transition um, that probably is one of not the darkest but the most challenging tr- mm-hmm. trying times of, of my life okay okay so it's just a, a matter of just trying to figure out where you fit is that what it is or is it just because yeah, you already knew the culture but you, right. maybe your wife didn't and... well so i grew up there and i thought it was going to be easy for me but um so what i realized is what i realized is uh in deputation i mean we are so so blessed and the churches love us they spoil us mm-hmm. they you know they what, what's the word fatten us i mean it's, <laughs> it's really good but um when we got there when 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 things would not turn as as expected i realize if my walk with god is not solid then everything really uh, crumbles down and so even with the family um because there's there's no one yeah i mean i mean we're surrounded by people church after church but now we're there there's no one (laughs) and so it's, it's just that i mean we're not we know we're not alone but it's, it's that yeah, feeling. Fi- yes, the sir. physical aspects of right. just not having the support around you like, you know, you would have if you were in a church and family in the United right. States at that yes, point. Sir. Yeah, I, I, I can certainly understand how that would be the case. Um, and I'm su- I, I suppose every missionary, unless they're going to work with an established work, would have that same, same element, at least to some extent, uh, you know, as you're landing on the field. So it's part of it. For, for many folks who don't have the background like you had in the sense that you already had a little at least the, the language and the culture, some of us going to learn a whole new language, right. a whole new culture, and being away from everything that's familiar, you know, everything that's, you know, the, the comfort of every, all that familiarity right. is being ripped away. It's like ripping a Band-Aid off and all of a sudden now it's, okay, it's, here's the stark reality, right? So that's, that's pretty amazing stuff. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, encouraging things um, in Part of what, as missionaries, you know, those folks, and, and I'm an itinerant type of ministry. I'm not the typical missionary in the sense that I'm raising support to go live someplace. I do what I do to help mission and, uh, national pastors. But, you know, there are blessings of being on the road and meeting new people. So talk a little bit about what you've experienced as, as a missionary and, and being in some churches. And what are, what are you finding encouraging today? Well, the, um the most encouraging that I find is uh, when I told my pastor that I believe God wanted me to uh, be a church planner missionary, he told me one thing. He said, you're going to get to know God as very few people. Mm-hmm. And he didn't mean in a very good way. Mm-hmm. I mean, in, in a good way, but in a yeah. way that, you know, you're going to sometimes be in situations where only God will, um, you know, be there. And certainly that has been the case. And so... The most encouraging thing uh, for me has been that, yes, of course, as I see pastors, churches sacrificially uh, really take care of us everywhere we go. Uh, I can see that behind that, it's been it's been the Lord that that really has provided each way in in very unexpected and re- literally unexpected ways. And so that's been the most encouraging thing. It's as if God is trying to tell me. Uh, you know, if I want to provide, I can do it, and I'm going to be with you, and this is just a little taste of it. Right. So. Well, Brother Nicole, how about yourself? What would you would you say uh, you found as encouragement or the 
some of the encouraging things of being on a deputation mission. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, I have been encouraged, uh, my family and I have been, with just the uh, emphasis um, that churches are making at the, at, during this time on, on worldwide missions. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been in very, very few churches where I felt like there was no interest. Mm-hmm. Um, and the opposite is, is true in, in the majority of cases where, and I realize we're there for a meeting or a missions conference, um, but it is, uh, it is just so encouraging to be at a place um, even to talk to a pastor a week or two before and confirm the meeting and talk about specifics and hear from that pastor, hey, we read your prayer letter last week. Um, I've been putting you guys in front of my people. We're excited about having you. We get to the church. They know us by name. They know where we're going. Um, you look at their wall. They have missionaries that they support and pray for. And it's not just... Oh yeah, we have a missionary in this week. It's, you know, hey, we have the nickels to Thailand, or, you know, another time they'll have you know this family to this location, and they are very missions minded. and And uh, was reminded just a week ago or so, at a missions conference by, um, uh, by someone that's uh, working with uh, BIMI and does a lot of work there. That more mission, he's seeing more missions money come in now than ever before. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when we first started uh, about a little over a year ago, it was still, you know, mid-2021. COVID was still mm-hmm. ro- roaring its head, and you didn't know week to week if you were going to be in this church or not. Um, but we would talk to pastors, and we would talk about, you know, hey, you know, how's your church doing with COVID? And every church had, every every pastor had their story and how, you know, it affected them. But um, it seemed like almost every church we were in, the pastor said, our giving has gone up. Mm-hmm. You know, we may have lost some members and it's, it's hurt. It's hard, but our people are giving. Mm-hmm. They are, they are very much so seeing the need and, and meeting it. And that has been encouraging. Well, that's great. So I don't know if you, either one of it would have an answer to this question, but uh, would, can you maybe speak of a specific situation in a church that you felt was really unique, you hadn't perhaps seen it before, but it really was an encouragement to you. I mean, can you think of a, a specific, maybe the way a church did a missions conference or maybe the way they, they just presented missions or just something they did that really you felt like, man, this is just, God used that specifically uh, in a special way in my heart. Okay. When our first meeting um, full-time, mm-hmm. we had just gone out on faith and we left a little earlier than we were had, had planned on um, just because of some of the meetings. And that meeting was in northern Arkansas, and it was one of those meetings that was a little further away, but um, just felt like that's where God wanted us to go. And I had uh, scheduled that meeting, but we got there for a missions conference. And the conference was itself um, with no, you know, no fault to anybody there. Um, it was things that could not be controlled, but the, the conference itself, the schedule and all, just fell to pieces. Um, the the pastor came down with COVID. Mm. Um, they had an ice storm in early <laughs> February in, in Arkansas, so you can imagine oh, yeah. how that went. Um, and so it was just, you know, everything that they had planned, half of it we weren't able to do. Um, but we were able to keep the services. We were able to have the meeting. And we got finished with that week. And it was such a blessing and such an encouragement 
um, to see the people coming in on the icy roads, still committed. Um, but then that Sunday, um, you know, and I, I've, I've learned since we've been on that more churches do this um, than just this one. But coming out on our first full-time missions conference, um, they had us and the other missionaries stand up on up at the front of the platform and people came and laid down their faith promise mm. uh, offering, their faith mm. promise commitment. And they came by and shook all of our hands and said, thank you. Mm. And we're looking at it as, why, why are you telling us thank you? Mm-hmm. Like, we, we thank you. Like, yeah. we're, yeah. but we, that church saw it and a lot of churches that we've been in have seen it as we're partners in yeah. this. We're not just, you know, we're, you're not just giving us money and never hearing from us again. You're not, churches understand the commitment that they're making, that they are reaching the uttermost part of the earth, uh, supporting missionaries. And so that was, that was really encouraging. That's great. Brother Kim, do you have a, maybe a particular thing that was a real encouragement to you? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Something, uh, something very similar, actually. <laughs> um, so it was in, in, in Southern California. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the particular that was a blessing to me and that I believe God used was the way they collect the, the promise offerings mm-hmm. is, um, I mean, we were used to doing it all, all privately, and but um, mm-hmm. but the pastor announced in a way that I've never heard it before, mm-hmm. and he said, and and you know the church was used to it, at the closing of the of the of the final service, um, he would he would give literally about ten minutes for them mm-hmm. to get together as a family, and while the piano's playing, they would do that. And after that, so this is part of the invitation. Mm-hmm. After that, he would invite uh, uh, by, by section to come forward and, and put their, uh, put their um, uh, faith promise on the altar mm. and, 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 and spend some time to pray. Mm. And so, of course, that took a little bit longer, but I thought, this is incredible. Mm-hmm. Because every family, they, they just spend a good amount of time praying together and you know as a family holding hands they would go up put their you know drop their um, uh, their commitment and they would spend some time in prayer and just go back mm. and i thought that was so neat and and a lot of the people I, I think all of it i don't know most of it they did that and so i thought that was that was incredible i, th- I, I think it's pretty remarkable that you guys both of you have kind of emphasized that part of it the, the giving side of it as far as just commitment to the lord for for missions I've been in some places where you know the missionaries are you know um, they it's like a Christmas service you know and they they beforehand they ask people for you know things that you know what some things your kids would like to have or what you'd like to have and it's been I, I mean I, I think that's a phenomenal when churches just you know take care of the missionaries in that regard mm-hmm. uh, and and honestly you know I, I'm just as even as a guest preacher doing the conference, I'm just overwhelmed by just the generosity of people in churches and their love for missions, as as demonstrated by the, their giving. And that is is very very humbling. There's no question about that. Well, I want to thank you guys for joining me for the podcast. Thank you for taking some time out of the schedule. It's been great to get acquainted with you. And and uh, this this podcast is we're recording this in uh, what is it October? So so this this will probably drop uh, maybe the last Friday in November. So the thank Thanksgiving Friday and everybody's out doing Black 
uh, guys, if you're listening to this podcast and your wife's out doing what they call Black Friday shopping, you got something to entertain you for a little bit anyway, right? <laughs> so that's kind of the way it works. But we want to thank our listeners for being a part of the podcast, and we're grateful for the opportunity to, uh, again, just have a conversation with some friends of, about the work of the Lord, specifically in the realm of missions. And uh, again, we we want to tell you that if you're a listener and God's stirring in your heart, there's a reason He's stirring in your heart. There's a, a God's work is a it's not necessarily one and done. It's it's a uh, element of, of of a process that God is taking us somewhere. And life is a journey. So labors and harvest. It's really just to try to encourage you in your walk with God. And if God's calling you to missions, you know uh, my advice is surrender. Surrender sooner than later. Uh, and certainly we don't know exactly what God's call is for everybody, but you'll know. It's always been said, you'll know what it is. And, and it's, sometimes it's, it's one of those type of things where we, as Brother Nico, I think you said you fought it originally, but it's so good when we surrender and God's uh, plan begins to unfold in our life. What a blessing that is. Well, thanks again, uh, folks, for being a part of Labors and the Harvest. We hope that you'll join us again next month when we'll drop another conversation with some of our friends who are laborers uh, seeking to honor the Lord in his harvest. God bless you and hope you have a great day. Thanks for listening. We hope that you've been encouraged by today's podcast. If you've been helped, please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Please feel free to leave us a comment and or a rating. If you'd like more information about Kevin Folger, please visit his website, kevinfolger.com. We invite you to join us next time with more conversations with Kevin and his guests as they tell their story of being laborers in the harvest.